Hello, our exclusive Patreon patrons. Thank you so much for tuning in. This is a special episode for our $5 patrons. Now, today, the day this is getting released, is the anniversary of Elvis Aaron Presley's death. Yes, that's right. He died in 1977, therefore making it 45 years since the king himself has passed. Un- well, actually, it was kind of ceremoniously. On, on his throne. Uh, now, yes. to coincide with our special episode, Is Elvis Alive?, we have a very <laughs> special guest. Um, he we, happen- wouldn't, we wouldn't be here right now if it wasn't for this we very special guest. We would not be here, literally. yes. And also, I want to say hi to my co-host, Rob. Hi, I'm, <laughs> I'm here. I'm still getting used to these, uh, <laughs> these intros. <laughs> it's all written down, too. That's what's so weird. Um, so, we have a very special guest, and uh, yeah, uh, he's actually been impersonating Elvis for, not even kidding, 50 years. He was impersonating Elvis for five years longer, or uh, for five years while Elvis was alive, which is, you know, something in itself. Uh, He also happens to be my dad. That's right. That's right. Uh, Now, I'm going to call him Mr. Michael just to keep this still formal. So, uh, ladies and gentlemen, Raymond Michael. Hello, Mr. Michael. Mr. Michael. How are you? <laughs> Wonderful. Uh, thank you very much. <laughs> yes, there we go. <laughs> there it is. There we are. So, you know, I, I, I didn't. I, there was this. You were the only person I wanted for this Patreon episode because I want to talk about how you got into doing Elvis, and also I want to throw some of the theories that we went over in the episode with you, just to kind of see, you know, what you think. I'm sure you heard some of them floating around over the years. I'm sure you probably met most of the people. I can actually say that, I, ladies and gentlemen, I know my dad has met Gail Brewer Giorgio, uh, you know, protagonist of said episode. So or antagonist, an antagonist. Of said episode. Yeah, yeah. I guess Bill would be the protagonist. I have to ask you. I'm going to call you Raymond. If that's, that's we have Raymond one, Raymond two. That's how, that's how we'll <laughs> yes. do this. Have did anyone ever come up to you at any point and say, "I think Elvis is alive," and I think it's you. Did anyone ever say? No, they they have come up to say he was alive. There was one Elvis impersonator that wore a mask when he performed. Oh, yeah. Don, uh, well, I know exactly what you're talking about. And, Elvis Presley. <laughs> and that was the myth that he was really Elvis, though he, without with the mask, just covered his face like a Zorro mask, and he looked nothing like Elvis. Uh-huh. But people wanted to believe that he was still alive. And... Uh, when promoted right, uh, after he passed away, when I would do a show, people would get in the mindset that I was Elvis, and I'd have my costumes torn off, and, and they'd rush the stage, and the, I even had one concert where the police actually really clubbing the women <laughs> off the stage, and um, yeah, in the, their minds, they wanted to have Elvis, so, and met, what made it interesting then, then you became their second Elvis yeah. as an impersonator, and they would become so loyal to you. Uh, when I was at Knott's Berry Farm, we were there for 11 years. And the reason we were there is because they every year took surveys and they said there's more people that buy season passes because of your show than anything else in the park. <laughs> and so that's because in their mind I was you know their replacement for Elvis. What was it about him? Was it him? Was it his music? Was his personality? What made it that these people wanted him to live on even after he had died? Cuz not every celebrity gets that. No, I think as a performer he had so much charisma on that stage. Uh, I went and saw him in 1975 in December at the Hilt in Las Vegas. And 
were, were sitting there, and it, it was Colonel Parker made it an event. He had bluegrass players walking through the casino, entertaining. He had Christmas carolers going. I mean, it was a, in the while you're standing in line to get in the showroom, the, there's entertainment going on. And in those days, you dressed to the nines. Mm-hmm. You dressed up to go to see a show. I mean, the, your finest gowns, your finest suit, tuxedos. That's what people wore when they went to see As shows. opposed to now, you go to a fancy show in your cargo shorts. Yeah, they're wearing tank tops. Yeah, shoes. Exactly. You're like, ooh, formal. Yeah. Okay, yeah. I can get in. And uh, when we got in there and then sat down, around us, you could hear all these people talking. I can't believe Elvis got so fat. This is disgusting. I don't know why. I bought tickets to come see him. He let himself go so bad. And when he walked on the stage, these same people that were down-mouthing him went absolutely nuts. Yeah. I mean, it was incredible. And because the stage presence he had. So their charisma is something you can't develop. You were born with it. Yeah. And he was born with an extra dose. And then beside that stage presence, boy, could he sing. And the the... Bono, Bono, uh, bon- the, the U2, lead singer. You, yeah, uh, Bono. Yeah, oh, yeah, he said, you know, he started out his career as a rock and roller, and he ended his career as an opera singer, and it was almost a true statement yeah. because as he got older, he sang more difficult songs, and he showed what kind of voice he had, and like same thing like Tom Jones, he could have been an opera singer. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, he he loved to sing the pop stuff and the blues stuff and and the belt big notes and. So both both of those performers were just known for an incredible voice. And then Tom Jones also had this dynamic personality on the stage. So he had the whole package. Oh, he did. And he was a good-looking guy. And uh, my, the costumes I have were made by the guy that El- did Elvis's suits. And so there's stories behind every suit. Gene Doucette. Yeah. Yeah? And, oh, yeah. Uh, Gene so Doucette, I know yep. all these people. Yes. And so, Well, they would go through Bill Bouillot, but he – Gene Doucette did all the work and did the design work and they, you know, the pictures and send them. And then uh, Bill Bouillot would be that middleman, but Gene Doucette did all the suits. And he said that um, Elvis had a few suits that were his favorite that he'd want to wear the most. And so before a tour, it's the suit either came to him to let out or the suit came in <laughs> to bring it in. I and need it, that. Yeah. <laughs> and, I that. Yeah. And uh, Bill Bouillot, you said? <laughs> and that was part of Elvis's problem was that. Um, the southern food, everything's deep fried. I remember I, when I used to sing at Six Flags Over Georgia and we have a night off, people would invite my band and I to their home for dinner. Oh. And everything was deep fried. Even dessert was deep fried in, <laughs> in pork fat. I mean, it was just uh, mm. unbelievable. The vegetables deep fried. I mean, the chairs, the table, <laughs> yeah, everything. I mean, and, and what was amazing then, you'd get this, you know, deep fried food and then you'd sit across from the guy and they'd get the salt shaker out and they'd talk to you for about five minutes as they're salting their food and it was just like you're gonna die in front of me here yeah. I don't know. well but, didn't you say that uh your key your old uh piano player one time asked for grease on the side at a diner yeah he said can i have a cup of hot grease on the side because <laughs> it was so this this diner was so disgusting and it was in the middle of the night and we were hungry so we stopped in and it was a pancake house there was a chain of the That's pancake house back there and the, the guy comes out and he has the the, the greasy <laughs> outfit i mean it was just almost like a movie that you'd go and see and, and uh, the keyboard player goes yeah and i want a cup of hot grease on the side yeah. <laughs> Now, let me ask you if you remember, do you remember where you were when you heard that Elvis had passed? Yes, I was touring, playing the part of Figaro in the Barbara Seville. And uh, I got a phone call 
uh, and then they said that you know, Elvis Presley passed away. And so at that point, I thought, well, I shouldn't do this anymore. It'd be mm -hmm. kind of tasteless to do it. So I got all these offers to do it. I said, no, no, no. And then a guy offered me to do the, the main room at the Hilton in Hawaii. So I said, okay, I guess sure. that's, yeah, that's what Elvis yeah. would have wanted. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so, uh, I, and in fact, when I was there, there was a Hawaiian that did Elvis, and he didn't like it that I got there and oh. got, I mean, I was on the TV and got all this commercials and press and all this. And uh, he didn't like that. So there was a death threat <laughs> for me, which I didn't know. And um, there was a Y50 with me everywhere I went. And <laughs> I thought, wow, they're really playing this up. They're really trying to make this appear okay. like I'm Elvis. And then before I did my first show, that, that we had a big orchestra in 2001 is a playing. Fire through or fire, yeah. threw a fire spear at him. No, no the 2001 is playing. And then the, the producer comes up and says, you know, if you hear a loud bang, you should hit the floor because there's a death threat on you. <laughs> and then da -da -da, da -da -da, I go on stage and go, holy crap, what? And uh, my musical director came with me. He flew in from L.A. with me. And so I'm telling him, duck, if you hear a boom. And he's looking at me like, what the heck are you talking about? <laughs> and then the guy, a photographer, rushed the stage to take a picture. And the cops jumped them and cuffed them and took them out while I'm performing, going, what the This heck? is terrifying. <laughs> was it the godfather where they leave the horses head in yeah, the yeah, yeah, I yeah. picture like a pig's head with an apple in it in your bed. Just like, get, get out of Hawaii. It's not blood, it's just but, poi. I mean, yeah. The stories like this, I did one concert once where they rushed the stage, and a large woman came up and actually picked me up off the ground. And the, the producer, he st I see him still. He, he says, and you just kept on singing. <laughs> what am I going to do? Pro. <laughs> I'm a pro, baby. <laughs> and in my defense, I did apologize. I want to <laughs> let people know that. Yeah. Now, I know you got a bunch of questions well, for well, your dad. I mean, I feel like I, I have to get in. Tell the audience how exactly, why did you get into Elvis? I mean, I know that you were not necessarily an Elvis fan. How did you get into Elvis? I had an older sister, 12 years older, and when she went to the movies with a boyfriend, I was the chaperone. And at that time, Elvis movies were the, were the big thing. So I saw lots of Elvis movies. And then in college, I had a roommate that continuously sang uh, Blue Suede Shoes. Always was singing Blue Suede Shoes. So a hypnotist came to school to do a show, and they wanted a representative from the football team, and I was playing football, and the coach called me in and said, you're representing us because you get on stage to do musicals and operas, so you're, it's not a big deal for you to get on stage, so we want you to, to do that. And so you get hypnotized, and they tell you to do silly things, and you do silly things, and they say, you remember what you want, and I didn't want to remember any of the evening. And then one of the things they said, do Elvis, and I did, and I guess I got a standing ovation, from about a thousand people and in the audience was a lighting director for the Tropicana in Las Vegas and he said you need to put a show together doing Elvis um, like Hal Holbrook is doing Mark Twain right now and I thought well that sounds interesting and then he hooked me up at that time there was no VHS tapes or beta tapes it was all reel to reel and he hooked me up with Elvis on tour. That, that was a, that Elvis did two documentary movies. Um, Elvis, that's the way it is. When he opened one of the times he opened in Vegas, and Elvis on tour that showed him behind the scenes and and during the shows and all that. And so I studied those, 
And then I got a sound system where I could sing along with Elvis. And at that time, they actually had a, a, an album out of just Elvis talking on stage. The whole thing both was just oh, Elvis huh. talking. And so I would talk along with Elvis. And I started out doing Elvis the first person. And he was still alive. So I, I'd say, oh, my, my first movie, ladies and gentlemen, I'd sing Love Me Tender. And uh, not until after he passed away and I had established myself in Las Vegas, um, some of the big Vegas names would come to see me, and they all knew Elvis. And they would say, no, 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 you, you're not Elvis. It'd be best if you paid tribute to Elvis and maybe talked about Elvis. And so at that point, I started researching things from songs. Um, I mean, when that when Sirius XM came on and um, they would do Elvis songs, man, they give you all this information. Yeah. It's great. I stole a lot of that information, yeah. and to the point where um, there was a book that came out on impersonators, and I was called Elvis the Teacher because I was teaching the audience what was going I on. I love that. And uh, uh, I, this one producer came and saw me in a, a show. Nothing happened of it, but he said that I would be a perfect show for Broadway because I'd be like Bruce Springsteen doing his show, telling stories about his songs. Well, I tell stories about how different songs fit into Elvis Presley's life at the time they did it. Mm. Or I will tie in personal stories that the song you know triggered for me. And, and people like to hear that. And it's unbelievable how they really like it that I don't think I'm Elvis. Yeah. Because through the years, I've seen so many guys that get the plastic surgery. They have the offstage Elvis clothes. They have the onstage Elvis clothes. And they, they go around it's 24 insane. hours a day like they're Elvis. It's insane. And, and I mean, Raymond has seen this yeah. that stuff. It, it, is, it is nuts. Uh, one it, of my – the best way to desc- me to describe my dad doing Elvis – well, first off, I want to say he puts on a wig and sideburns and has for, what, 30 – over 30 yeah, years yeah. now. Yeah, I did uh, Carousel. I got asked to play the part of Billy Bigelow in Carousel, so I had to get my hair cut and get rid mm-hmm. of the sideburns. And then I was asked to sing at the Hollywood Palladium the day after I closed in Carousel. So I didn't know what to do, and a friend of mine was a police officer who also liked to do Elvis on the side. Yeah. And, and he said, "Let you can borrow my wig. And so I put it on, and, and I faked sideburns, and I thought, I've been going around for all these years dyeing my hair black, and looking like, you know, that, yeah. if, I mean, if you don't associate with it, you look at that time, you look pretty strange with the pompadour <laughs> and sideburns. And so that was like, wow, I can do that. And, but it was, it's been so much fun because when I fly into somewhere to perform, um, they'll have someone there to pick me up and, they'll, you know, say Raymond Michael on the sign. And I'll go up and say, I'm Raymond Michael. They'll go, no, you're not. And I said, no, I am him. And they said, no, you're not, because when picking up an Elvis impersonator, you're not an impersonator. You might be a basketball player, but you're not an impersonator. <laughs> I've heard that so many times. And uh, So they know your hook yeah. shot. So one People of the hook. times, mm-hmm. I, uh, after 9-11, I, I flew into Utah to perform, and uh, they were really checking everything. And so I had a jumpsuit in the bag, and they took the belt. And they said, this belt's a weapon. And I said, no, it's not. It's for cost. So I went up from layer to supervisor to manager to the head of the airport. And the guy in his office sitting across from, wait, my plane's going to leave. And he says, the only way that this is part of a costume and not a weapon is that you're an Elvis impersonator. And I said, bingo, what do you think? (laughs) 
And so, That's great. Yeah, it's just like, holy moly. A man arrested in LAX pretending to be an Elvis. <laughs> of the first well, song. what will they not sing to, <laughs> these people? <laughs> these people. <laughs> Disgusting. Uh, so my dad, um, I've gone to numerous Elvis conventions, Elvis impersonator conventions, which is a place where Elvis impersonators go and they get to perform three. Elvis Costello yeah, impersonators, Elvis, right? It's incredible. Yeah, and the amount of wire, you know, yeah. the rimmed glasses is just great. <laughs> Uh, it's a lot of your radio, radio all the time, though. It's very discomforting. Um, but uh, so Elvis impersonators go. They can do, uh, you know, young Elvis, leather Elvis, uh, jumpsuit Elvis. They get three songs they do with the tracks or a band. My dad is the guy that gets hired to do 45 minutes to an hour. Yeah, I don't go to those conventions unless I get hired to yeah. go there. And, wow. uh, and it's one of those things where I'll be watching my dad on stage and you turn around and it's just – tables of Elvis impersonators watching my dad with like their mouth because my dad really is probably one of the first Elvis impersonators I mean at least making money and stuff uh you were on Dick Clark live Wednesday what what year was that 78 78 the year after Elvis passed um I mean, he's just been. Uh, uh, what was it? You did the final tour then, two thousand three, was it? Yeah, I did the twenty fifth anniversary tour of Elvis's last concert tour. Played the same halls, um, twenty five years after his death, with the same. And I had members of his band. I had the Jordanaires, wow. Sweet Inspirations. Wow. We had. It was really cool tour, and. The most cool part was to sit with these guys and they all tell you Elvis stories. Oh, yeah. And I mean, and I, of course, used a lot of these Elvis stories in my show that they've told me. Um, but yeah, it was it was pretty cool. Was there a story that you ever heard that made you look at him in a totally different light or something about him that you would not have assumed had this person not told you about him? So Elvis was in, he lived in Beverly Hills when he was doing all the movies out here. And so one day he was driving by in a brand new Cadillac convertible and there was a, a woman of color, a, a maid, sitting on a park bench waiting for a bus. And it was a stop street, so Elvis stopped. And the lady yelled out, nice car, Mr. Presley. And he had one of his Memphis Mafia in the car with him. And he said, I want you to find out who this woman is. And the guy found out, and Elvis bought the same car for her. Wow. Then that, it's amazing. He... And he was in financial straits throughout his career. I mean, they said the best business move Elvis did was to die. Well, which is, Tom, Colonel Tom Parker just yeah. screwed the hell out well, of him. Well, Colonel Parker got him going, but then held him back. Yeah. Yeah. So if it wasn't for the Colonel, as talented as Elvis was, I don't know if he would have ever made as a big a star but as Elvis he was. Elvis never went overseas, though, because of the Colonel. The Colonel. And he, he was offered— um, the Star is Born with Barbara Streisand. He was Chris Christopherson's part. Oh my he God. was offered that part, and the colonel told him he couldn't do it. Why? What was the reasoning? I think for, the colonel wanted complete control of Elvis, and it made Elvis really mad. As his Memphis, the bodyguards and stuff would say how he would be so livid with the colonel, but he respected them because he did get him to where he was. And, and he, at that time, he was the highest paid uh, musician or a, a performer in Las Vegas, and um, he, he still holds the, the Vegas attendance records. Elvis he, still. He never performed overseas? He went to Canada. Uh, that's as and far as overseas. He, he served in Germany yeah. uh, in the Army, but he never like went on a tour or anything. He would have made Priscilla. a mint. Oh, yeah. I mean, had he? Uh, oh, yeah, but especially the colonel, now. I well, mean, they say that the colonel was an illegal alien, and oh. that if the colonel 
you know, had would have to go over there to set things up, and he would go with a tour, and that would show, you know, they'd look back because you get a passport, you kind of look wow. at the back, and they would find out that he was an illegal alien, and then that would be done. Now, we don't have a crystal ball, but had he lived, what do you think would have happened to his career as he got? I think he would have sang country, uh, and he would be a little more gospel. He would sing things to show his voice, mm. and I think he would – I mean, I saw um, Engelbert Humperdinck, Raymond, and I saw Engelbert Humperdinck, 82, unbelievable. Wow. I mean, he's still unbelievable performer. Mm. Uh, my other son and I went and saw Tom Jones, and he had just had his hip surgery done. <laughs> and they said, ladies and gentlemen, Tom Jones. And out he comes with the old person shuffle. <laughs> it's, yes. like, it's like, oh, my God. Oh, I love that. And then he plants. Da, da, da. <laughs> then he moves. Yeah. So uh, he would have he would have done gospel, and he would you think he would have done movies? Any more movies? I'm sure or? he would have. Yeah. 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 He He loved that, and he... He loved to perform, though. That's what he loved to do the most. When did Colonel Tom Parker eventually die? Did he? Oh, did years he... after Elvis died. Years after. Yeah. Okay, so he still would have been under his thumb for yep. quite some time. Mm-hmm. Okay. What else you got for your dad? Well, so... this is the uh, Is Elvis Alive episode. <laughs> well, just really quickly, this is part of your show, but it's Elvis never won Grammys for rock and roll or anything. No, he, he was really? The he, king of rock and roll. Yeah, but he won three Grammys for his inspirational songs. So, yeah, it just that's the thing. I mean, it really is. I don't, I, you know, I grew up knowing so much about Elvis because of being around him, and I probably wouldn't know as much, obviously, without my dad. But like, he is a very interesting and talented man. But he had his demons, obviously. But I do have to say, I would not be alive today if my dad wasn't an Elvis impersonator. Because back in the '80s, he met my mom, who was working at Six Flags over Georgia. So I wouldn't be alive today, and my brothers wouldn't be alive today because. He met their mom at uh, CLU, where he she was the alumni director. So yeah, so Look at that. so Thank his you, family, yeah, exactly. Some so beautiful children. It really, out of that. it's just I don't know. It is kind of funny. I had that realization probably like five years ago. Like, hmm. And I also have to say, there's a lot of people that can say like, oh, you know, have conversation. Oh, my dad's a lawyer too. Oh, my, you know, oh yeah, my my dad is also a teacher. I have to say, you know, I can talk. Oh, my dad's a teacher. But you know, you don't really run into a lot with people. You know. My dad's an Elvis impersonator, too. So I have to say that uh, that is something. So in the episode, they went over five different theories as to if Elvis was still alive, hosted by Bill Bixby. And Gail Brewer Giorgio was someone involved in the episode. Now, you were saying how you met Gail Brewer Giorgio one time. Yeah, Six Fights Over Georgia. Between shows I sat in a theater we were going over, and she talked to me about her beliefs that Elvis was still alive, and she really believed so, that. So what do you do in that situation? Well, this sounds terrible, but no. that story that he was still alive really helped the business. I mean, yeah. man. So <laughs> because people people would introduce, ladies and gentlemen, this guy has been hiding out for years, but for our show, he's come out of hiding. Here he is. You and, still and, use and, that and, line I now. I still use it. I love it. And and it was wonderful. And they would do it. Um, I, I hate to say though, what some of them would say, uh, yeah, Raymond's so much like Elvis, he was just checking the drug cabinet in the back of the room or something like that. <laughs> oh. That's like no, 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 no. Don't let this man around a toilet. <laughs> yeah. I, 
I did a, a in Hawaii. I did a pharmaceutical convention, and oh, <laughs> oh my boy. God! Before I went out there, they played up the Elvis and the the drug thing so much. It was like, oh no, oh, no, no, no. And so I'm I'm gonna talk about that now <laughs> since we're there. Elvis had uh, physical problems, and he took medication that was prescribed by the doctors. And then he had a weight problem, and he wanted to look good for his fans, so he took prescribed weight pills, which are uppers, and uh, that would make it so he didn't want to eat, but then Elvis couldn't go to sleep. So he took downers to go to sleep, and he got caught up in this syndrome. And uh, unfortunately, that was his, quote, drug problem. And then Elvis, uh, and these are from the people that live with him. They, They told me these stories. And Elvis would have a book at his house of prescription medicine. And in the, the book would tell you what it treats. Yeah. Okay. So he would often go to a doctor already t- knowing what he thought he had. And he would go to the doctor and say, I got this and this, this drug will fix it. So please prescribe it. And it was Elvis Presley. So they, Sir Mr. Presley. Oh, of course. And in those days, there was not a computer base for uh, medications. Checking. So what killed him was that he took a prescription drug that you're not supposed to take with another prescription drug, and that's what did kill him. Yeah. And he was taking two wrong pills. But he would, yeah, he, they said they found Demerol in him and all that. Yeah, he, was, he had spastic colon. Yeah. He had, you know, had problems, yeah. too. And it, it, it'd say, like the Oxycondit um, yes. junkies we have now, yeah. I would say that he probably kind of fit into that. Yeah. And um, yes, yeah, sometimes it was extreme, and other times it you know wasn't. But he still, when he performed, he gave it his all, and w- when he wasn't in good health, and uh, what a voice! Yeah, I, I saw him that in '75, and in the spring of '76, I saw him at the Anaheim Convention Center, and he had thinned down a whole bunch, and he he looked great. Now, did you ever get the chance to meet him to shake his hand? No, just. I just the Memphis Mafia and then his players and stuff. I I mean I do a a job in Palm Springs every year, and the majority of the band toured with Elvis, and uh, it, it's pretty cool that that to sit and talk with them. Yeah. And being in Los Angeles, like if I do Tom Jones at a corporate show and Tom Jones is not on the road, this this guy will hire Tom Jones's band to back me. And so it, it's a lot of fun. It's pretty special. And, and, it's, and to hear the great stories that all of them have about him. And it's also, I think, probably an honor that these people that knew him so well are validating being like, yeah, this yeah. guy is so good. I want to be a part of that. And they've he given you so much of them. You've gotten a lot of Elvis's like memorabilia that will like people give to them, and then they give to you. Yeah, I've gotten a couple pairs of Elvis's glasses, and I got one of the Elvis's belts and some scarves and TCB necklace. Yeah, right? T- I got a TCB necklace. What's a TCB necklace? Uh, taking care of business. It's, it's, oh. it's with the lightning. Taking care of business. Yes. Lightning okay. Fast. Yes. Elvis's yeah, yeah. big thing. And his percussionist gave it to me. He said, Elvis gave me this, and I think you should That's have it. sweet. And that was uh, pretty cool. Yeah. That's real sweet. All right, Ray, I'm sorry. I started no, asking please. questions. It's f- no, it's fine. Um, I just, I mean, I'm not going to probably play all the clips, but these are the five theories that start off the Elvis Files, hosted by Mr. Bill Bixby, who was friends of Elvis. So we both think that he obviously needed money because <laughs> this was quite the, quite the host. So number one was, what secret business was Elvis conducting with two American presidents, Richard Nixon and Jimmy Carter. Number two is why was Elvis's middle name misspelled on his grave? His full name is Elvis Aaron Presley, and I guess it's A R O N on the grave. Mm-hmm. Or and uh, 
And who was the mysterious man in a photo that was taken at Elvis's house four months after he passed away? I'm sure you've seen that yes. photo. Yeah, I'll I was going to say. Elvis pool. Yep. It's so funny. I was going to pull it up, but I was like, I can guarantee you that people have showed you that photo. Um, number four, whose voice is on a mysterious phone call captured in 1981? Now, this is a phone call. There's two of them. One of them, Elvis happened to call Miss Gail Brewer Giorgio, and she happened to, in the middle of the night, get up, go into her. Uh, garage and find an quote-unquote antiquated recording machine where she was able to pick up and get the audio, luckily for all of us to hear. Thank you, Gail. Thank you, Gail. And number five, why is Elvis's name found on over 1,400 FBI documents, and why are some of them still classified? Now, those were just the main bread and butter, but then there was some like Maria Colombo, who was the uh, was the president of the oldest Elvis fan club, which me and Rob cleared up was not full of geriatrics. It just has been around the old longest. Now, she was saying how when Elvis died, she was calling uh, Vernon, Elvis's dad, and he was saying, you know, stay back. Don't come for like a while. You know, we got and she she took that as, oh, well, they were hiding Elvis. These people just suffered a loss. They're trying to get this man's estate. I mean, did you run into people that were. <laughs> Like, really convinced and were like, I'm trying to get to the bottom of this. Like, did you ever – because oh, it, I, it, it, I was watching it, and Rob can attest to this. Of all the things that I watched for our show, it took me at least four days to get through an hour and 24 minutes because what? I was so mad and just Can Can I tell your dad about the notes? Oh, yeah. So I, I was the one who suggested this mm -hmm. to Ray because I remember watching this when this was yeah. first on and going – this is so bizarre and grotesque and obviously full of falsehoods. So I said to Ray, so, well, why don't you cover that? Because you have a history with Elvis. And all hours of the night, I would get a text. You'll never believe what this theory is. And you'll never believe. I can't believe it. I can't believe it. I'm going to disprove it. And when I came here to record, that entire perimeter on the wall was post-it notes with miniature handwriting that Ray had of made. All the clips that I to was going to pull. And I realized, I was like, I mean, I, I, I had at least eight post it notes of clips, and like, it was the smallest writing I'd ever written. Uh -huh. And I finally had I to. I kind go. of imagine, like, that's what, like, the Unabomber's oh, shack If I like had Red point. Thread, if I had Red Thread, I would have yes. I would have pasted it all together. He was together. obsessed with this. Yeah. He was obsessed and with this. And it's just, and, 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 and there was also a tie in with our 1 900 uh, numbers episode where there was a 1 900 number that you could call in and give you, if you saw an Elvis sighting. So let's see if your dad maybe has a commentary on those five things. What was the first one you asked? Well, the first one is their first theory or their first question. What secret? Uh, what secret business was Elvis conducting with two American presidents, Richard Nixon and Jimmy Carter? So, do, so Mr. Hebel, do you have an idea well, of what I, secret he, business? I know that he overnight one and the, and the guy that went with him. They told me the story uh, out of nowhere. Said, "I'm I want to go meet President Nixon." and get me a plane, we're leaving tonight. So they flew out, and he went straight to the White House, and he said, I want to see the president. And they, you know, they're like, are you kidding me? And he said, yeah, it's, it's Elvis Presley, okay? See if the president will see him. So Nixon saw him, and he wanted a DEA badge because he was against drugs yes, very much. And so uh, uh, he got that, and he met with him. And I think probably he wanted to form some kind of a drug thing and i'm sure that hippies you know he you know that was not who elvis was he was uh you know this still a, a product of the 50s or early 60s that's 
kind of where his mentality was. But to almost be like a figurehead for an anti-drug movement. Yes. That this celebrity is saying. Yes. Yeah. So in it, Gail says that uh, he met with Spiro Agnew, who was Nixon's VP in Palm Springs, and he voiced his concern for the current America. Elvis said the drug culture, the hippie elements, and the SDS Black Panther, et cetera, do not consider him as their enemy or he called it the establishment, so Elvis or Elvis called it America. Uh-huh. So Elvis volunteered to kind of be an undercover DEA agent, and he he wanted a point a presidential appointment to be a DEA officer, yep. and so that was like that was one of the reasons I think he. But he met with Spiro Agnew in Palm Springs. So and so I they they have this thing called now live action role playing where people dress up as uh, you know knights and all this stuff and so I said that essentially Elvis wanted to LARP as a DEA agent <laughs> and so he just wanted to get that you know yeah. the highest up to say okay Elvis yeah do that but I uh, always wanted to LARP as Spiro Agnew so I think <laughs> we can we can find a happy medium okay so it's not that secret what he wanted he wanted to be a figurehead for an anti drug movement I don't think there's anything secretive about that. Well, and then also no. Well, that's yeah, and that's the thing. But uh, but then with Jimmy Carter, who was after Nixon, who was he president during yeah, exactly. he was president during uh, when Elvis died. There was all these FBI. Did you ever hear about how Vernon Presley apparently sold one of Elvis's plane to a very shady figure who happened to be part of a bigger mafia thing and so that's why they say they faked elvis's death because elvis was about to be taken over by these mafia members that's essentially that's the uh the very small uh uh, reason he sold they sold a plane uh, vernon sold one of elvis's plane to someone and the guy he sold it to was a very like in a very shady mafia type organization so they say that Elvis wanted to go to Jimmy Carter to help him get out of this situation that his dad got him in, and it all coincided around the time Elvis died. So a they property think that, sale. Yeah, but they okay. think that Elvis was getting involved with the mob through this. I, I, my experience, um, I did a thing for Johnny Depp at um, his, the Viper Room, and Gloria Gaynor was there. And all, I mean, all she sang, I will. We had Elvis and Gloria. No, oh, and right. uh, um, but Tom I mean, all, all that a people were there it was pretty cool and uh I, they gave me an outdoor dressing room but uh, you know one of the ones the stars use and i remember they came out and said well if it smells like dope snoop dog was the last one <laughs> that used this but they were so proud that this snoop dog was in there <laughs> so i'm sure that at that time that having this is Elvis's jet was like wow people yeah. would, would yeah. want to have Elvis's jet you know, and I'm sure that you know they sold it for a pretty penny too because it was Elvis's jet so I, I I've never heard anything about Elvis Great. and the mafia never so, yet, so it was a property sale that he had nothing to do with what was number two the misspelling no, number two was yes the misspelling so I've heard so many theories on that. Okay, so you know this one then oh, too. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, I was I saw it. I mean, oh, when sure. they, they first opened Graceland, uh, um, I was in the south and so I thought, well, I'm going to and that was just when you could walk on the property, look at the grave and that was it. There was nothing else you saw really. Then you couldn't go inside at the very beginning. And uh, I saw it, but you know, Elvis is still alive or it's just a mistake or uh, uh, Vernon Presley doesn't want to accept that Elvis is dead. I mean, uh, so many different stories on that. Uh, I think it was just a mistake. That's what I think. Yeah. And and because um, it 
it raised such a stir. I think they'd never change it because of that. Yeah. And I and I'm sure for the Presley Enterprises, uh, Boxcar Productions, they uh, they made more money because it's just Elvis's delight. I mean, yeah. I cannot tell you how good that that book came out. What it did to my business. Rob actually bought yeah. me the book. Yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah. What did it come with the cassette that was? Oh with no, it? It no, to, it no. Used to I come didn't. with the cassette with Elvis's uh, the, you know, the interview. eBay there. didn't give me that as well. Yeah. But hey, yeah. Christmas is coming up, right? Okay. So I have it the somewhere. Oh, I was going to say, <laughs> I, I guarantee you, he has yeah. the cassette and everything. I'm well, sure I he has that, an unopened. I one. think that lady gave it me the book. Oh, I'm sure, yeah. She came. I'm sure, it's signed. She hired your dad to do the <laughs> to read this, <laughs> and I'm going to hold this tape recorder. But I, I mean, Elvis in Home Alone. That was another. Elvis was in the in the airport scene in Home Alone. It was him with the beard on, standing behind the the mother, trying to frantically get on the bus. I have John never heard in. that. Oh yeah, and it's Elvis. Oh my God, it's it's Elvis. He just did a cameo in it, and and it's like okay, just like when Paul McCartney's dead. That, oh yes. Yeah, oh yeah. my God, that was such a big deal. And it, because he turned around backwards in a picture, and it and boosts business. Absolutely, that they say business. no bad press is good press. That they've, yeah. they've said that over and over again. And this is one of those situations. And I, I believe so. Yeah. Okay, so we got the the Two. misspelling on the grave. What's three? Number three, mysterious photo taken of Elvis's four months after he passed. It's the pool. Uh, you could see a, a guy, a at reflection the, through a pool at yep. at uh, at Graceland. At Graceland. So it's in a, uh, if you it's pa- right past the pool and there's a pool house. My theory almost is you can attest to this. Pretty how many people around Elvis looked like Elvis? Like oh, they, had the uh, they had their the hair, they wore the glasses. I mean, they Elvis would hand them give them his glasses away. Um and yeah, there were some couple of them that were pretty portly and uh, did wear their hair Elvis style. And it was behind a screen door. You really mm. couldn't see what it was and I don't know what how good they could do with photoshopping them, but I know that that time airbrushing, um, fixing things was was a big deal. So uh, to me, when I saw the picture, it was in the National Examiner and the Enquirer yeah. and all those. It just to me, it looked fake. Okay. So I I no, or it could have been an old photo. You know who you know they. Oh yeah, they, that's the other thing. It could have been an old photo. Yeah. yeah. Now number four, I feel like is the easiest one to. Uh, say is not true it's the one with the phone call but they spent the most time on this one because the, it featured gail the most i feel like the she, phone call gail received gail received and well there was a from no, elvis yeah and then they mix it in where there was a second phone call where there wasn't a, the, uh, the person on the other end wasn't didn't record but it's only you know elvis recording mm-hmm. but it, even bill bixby goes huh either that's the best sounding elvis impersonator ever or it's elvis can I take a question from the audience, please? Yeah, yeah, yes, sir. And one of the best is that uh, one of Howard Stern's uh, prank callers, Captain Jenks, calls in in the middle of the thing, and he says, why don't you go on Howard Stern? So in the middle of the live broadcast at the Imperial Palace in the showroom that that Legends is in, uh-huh. that I've gone to many times <laughs> with my dad, sat in that showroom, Captain Jenks prank called Bill Bixby on stage. All the world's colliding. And it was when I was watching Dad, oh, my. God, it was a piece de la resistance. So I think, am I correct in assuming that you feel that is not the no, real Elvis Presley? No. So then I'm going to ask, may I do a follow-up, yeah. Ray, if that's okay? So my follow-up is, is this an impersonator that's pulling one over on Gail? What's her name? Brewer Giorgio. Brewer Giorgio. Or is she in on it with whoever this person and is? And follow-up, do you still have Gail's number? Because it was obviously you. 
And no. another follow-up, have you ever said to her, what's with that name? <laughs> um, you can take them in any order you yeah. wish. See, I had no proof to say what you of know, course, my answer of course, is. Of course. So, allegedly. This is all uh, allegedly. 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 I feel like I'm out of law and order. Exactly. Yeah. Allegedly. 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 <laughs> um, yeah, I think she got an Elvis impersonator. She saw that, hey, I can make some money on this. And at that time, I mean, the Elvis fans needed Elvis. I mean, they needed. I I could still go to an auditorium and sell it out. Are you kidding me? I'm an impersonator, and it's a sea of gray now. You look out. The average age of the audience is deceased. But uh, um, but get your programs and toe tags on the way out. <laughs> but I just that. yeah, I just think that you know that was just something that she was i'm gonna make some money on this of course and of course. she did which we see all the time now people jumping in yeah, on, on but on... i think that the presley enterprises said hey this is good for business for me it was great for business sure so i you know that people would ask me i'd always say i don't i don't know and isn't it true the national Enquirer sort of bumped in popularity because they were able to publish the photos of elvis in his casket yeah and what's interesting is these people that think that Elvis is still alive say that that was a wax. Um, yeah, that's part oh, yeah. of it. Yeah, that's that part wax, of the thing. And that the wax was sweating because wax sweats in the, in the heat and the humidity and mm. it gets damp. And so that the wax was sweating on his on his head. And so that it was for sure not him. It was a, a wax. Okay. Was what a time. It's just that, all the pork rinds coming out of his pores. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's what's going to happen to me, so be careful, right? You might want to get a towel. So let me just get to the final theory, and this I'll expand on what I was talking about earlier. This is, goes into an FBI having 1,400 documents on dating back to 56 with a report on his bad attitude, quote-unquote. The last report comes from 1983, which is eight, six years after Elvis's death, and it's about a car sale that happened. But going into the Vernon Presley stuff, there was something called Operation Fountain Pen. Does this ring a bell to you? No, I don't know. So that. Operation Fountain Pen, Luc Dion from Quebec, he comes on the on the show. Do you remember Luc Dion? Yes, I do remember. Yeah, Luke. Uh, and so here's the breakdown. Elvis wanted to sell one of his planes in 1976, the year before he died. His dad Vernon got involved with the sale, and then he brought in a con man by the name of Frederick Peter Pro. So Vernon apparently brought this. Peter, Frederick Peter Pro in. Uh, Pro talked Vernon into a complicated leasing agreement with his company. Pro said he'd help with repairs on the jet. Uh, so Pro was a con man, a pro con man. Uh, he was part of a larger group called the Fraternity, which is just part of larger, larger organized crime, and this group conned an estimated $2 billion out of people worldwide. So apparently this group bought a plane from Elvis, so them buying a plane from Elvis lumped them in, but that makes people think, oh my God, I think it just happened that Vernon got involved with a bad person sure. that he had no idea but it's just them trying to lump in oh look this came out and that's just another way for them to try to explain why elvis is alive because this is obviously he's faking his death if they took two billion people well you got to understand that dollars. a majority of the people that worked with elvis and was around elvis was really not real educated yeah okay and i'm not saying they're stupid but they weren't worldly smart and um in the South, it's a different it's a different country. I mean, the United States, like Europe, is all these different countries. Well, the United States is the same way. Just yeah. they're they're called states instead of different countries. And and going in, and in the areas in the South, I mean, they it's the good old boy, and people's word is good, and you just believe in other people, and they wear their religion on their sleeve, and that's 
that's what they do. Yeah. So I, I don't think that, you know, Vernon in any way had an idea what was going on. Um, and uh, the FBI following what was going on with Elvis, well, Elvis was, you know, we had the McCarthy era and all that. Um, Elvis was a big figure. They wanted to see what he was doing because he influenced so many people. What, what you know, and he, he was the king of rock and roll. Is that at the time he was the number one box office draw. Yeah. He was, he was everything. He was the guy for about twenty years. And there was yeah. nothing really like him before nothing. that. Nothing. And you know, we Ray and I recently went to this FBI exhibit mm -hmm. uh, where that you know the history of the FBI. And I don't know if you saw this. They had an album, the Louis Louis album. And it said that the FBI agents listened to this album over 2,000 times because they thought there was something suggestive in the lyrics that was going to corrupt the youth. So if you think they've spent that many hours on this one I'm song, Louis, Louis. you know, we look what they're going to do for Elvis Presley, you know, who's, yeah. who's got 10 times more power. Yeah. So it makes sense why there's so many that, files. Oh, yeah. The establishment was so against rock and roll. Oh, my goodness. It was a, this music of the devil and all that. And Elvis, you know, he basically, Elvis, a lot of the songs, the early songs he did um, were songs that were sung by black artists. And then he redid them. And, and the reason, uh, Sam Phillips said the reason he's a white man, it sounds like a black man. Yeah. And that's why, because so... The white people, the racism that was in the country, didn't want to buy a black artist singing a song. But here's this white guy singing the same thing in the same style, you know, almost the and same okay way. Hey, it's okay then. And so, I mean, I'm sure Little Richard, Chuck Berry, and all of them, um, you know, they yeah. I imagine they thought, well, what the hell is this? But they just had to accept it. Yeah. And that's that's how things were. Well, this is fascinating. Yeah, this was you. fascinating. Really? Mr. Mr. Hebel, thank you so much. Raymond Michael. Yeah. Raymond Michael first. Thank you so much for coming on. Yes, thank you, Pop. I appreciate it. Thank you for well, thank being you here. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. There it is. Yeah. We got it. Um, the Elvis thing is, I would say that, you know, the impersonation and all that, there's going to be probably sections of, like, impersonator shows where it's in. But it's very interesting. You know, I've been doing this 50 years. Um, I'm, I'm definitely seeing that it's aging out. Mm. The, I think Elvis will last forever, but I think what I'm doing and um, the desire for people to want to go see what I'm doing is going to age out because, I mean, the youth, they barely know who Elvis is. They for sure don't know who Tom Jones is mm. or any of these old stars. Uh, they know um, Tony Bennett because he sang with Gaga. Lady Gaga. Oh, sure, yeah. But, I mean, well, there you go. I would say that... Elvis will never die, but I'd say this this phenomena is is fading out. Well, I hope you have fifty more years in you. We'll be there. Or just find a Gaga impersonator. You can start doing yeah. Tony. Well, oh. I was thinking about doing Elvis the Walker, and I could could be the new new trend at all the retirement villages. <laughs> I think that's a great idea. I'll be the first one to to buy a ticket. Mr. Mr. Hebel, Mr. Michael, thank you so much for for Dad. doing this today. Dad, thank, thank you so much thank for you, doing Pop. this. Thank you, and and I'm have to say that I listened to your show. I'm very proud of both of you, fatherly proud. Oh. And it's, it's very professional. And uh, it, it's what people want to hear. Oh. I mean, you're doing doing a great job. I, I'm, I, I thought it would be good, but I didn't think it would be as good as it is. Oh, thank you. So I, I really, I do, I enjoy listening to it. And, uh, and um, uh, my, my sons listen to it, my wife and, and my, my twin sister, they all listen. Oh. And 
these are people that aren't necessarily interested in this type of stuff and they did it first out of a favor to their brother but now they're sucked in oh that's <laughs> so, great that's what i like to hear so, that's awesome yeah thank so, you so thank thanks you. and thanks for raising such a, a wonderful co-host oh, stop it talent guy yes yes he is indeed 